Welcome to the One Thing Global Leadership Summit podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel Lim, your host. Today, we will be examining how prayer fills unity in the local city, in the local body of Christ. Hi, I'm so excited to have two of my very good friends, along with partner in the kingdom of God, David Bradshaw from Virginia, USA, and Cheryl Allen from California. And both of them has given their life to night and day prayer for over 10 years. And David, out of Virginia, is the director of Awaken the Dawn, and Cheryl is the founder and the director of the Pasadena International House of Prayer in California. Thank you for joining us, David and Cheryl. I'd love to hear from both of you, maybe beginning from Cheryl, a little bit of your journey of how you got involved in night and day prayer. How did you, how did you uh, launch into this very focused and specialized ministry? Well, I was um, initially hired by Lou Engel to do a night watch. So I started um, just for a local church to do midnight to two every night for in 2001. And um, in the midst of that, the Lord grabbed hold of me. And um, I had never said the words, I want to start a house of prayer. I just thought I was going to help. But then out of it was born um, a desire that the, the the desire of God's heart to do a house of prayer in Pasadena that was for a city, for a region. And so three years later, PIHOP started. 2004. And you never looked back yeah. since then. <laughs> no. That's remarkable, Cheryl. And um, I just uh, heard so many testimony and good fruits out of what you're doing in California. And... Uh, you know, at the same time, I also have heard of amazing thing that was birthed out of people who started in the Night Watch. David was sharing with us in the last podcast, a young lady at 3 a.m. in the morning, her prayer may have given birth to the, the prayer furnace in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So David, we'd like to hear from you again. How did you actually got launched into the House of Prayer in Virginia? Yeah, well, similar to Cheryl, uh, Lou was a big part of our journey, actually, but we <laughs> began to do these 24-hour prayer events um, in our city. It was three days at a time, five days at a time. Eventually, we were doing 21 days where we would do these events, and I was on staff at a local church, and so it wasn't similar to Cheryl in that I wasn't thinking of launching anything new, but in the midst of fasting and prayer, and I referenced this on the last call, uh, podcast, God came, it was like the voice behind us saying, this is the way we walk in it, and began to speak to us about this day and night prayer movement in our region, and uh, very dramatically, God God confirmed it, and you referenced one of the testimonies, there's about five or ten others, where God broke in sovereignly and led us into this expression of day and night prayer in our city, and, uh, and it's been uh, going ever since. So both of you started just for out of simple obedience by saying that we are going to do this, whether a lot of people are going to do this, do this or not. We're just going to do this as priests before the Most High. But your fruits yeah. has been multiplied by the Lord and you have become a force of unity 
in the body of Christ. And that wasn't even what you set out to do in the beginning. So I want to take this opportunity during the podcast just to glean from both of you, David and Cheryl, how did prayer become a force of unity? You know, what do you observe out of that? Why is it so essential that prayer is the, the, the tool and the mechanics that bring the body of Christ together? Well, David, do you want to go first? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I think, Daniel, that in my opinion, unity in the body of Christ, John 17, 21, doesn't come primarily when our focus is exclusively on unity. And meaning, just like the Trinity is one, you know, they're one because of their love for God. God is one because of God's love for God. It's, and there's nothing like the presence of God and the Great Commission, the, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission that produce a unity that you cannot get any other way. You know, that's not to minimize that we need to work out our differences and have conversations and relationships that are very focused and intentional. But I think that I don't believe that unity is possible apart from prayer movements. Uh, I, That's a I actually, strong statement, David. I think it's essential because I think <laughs> God, you know, what? it's the $50 million question. Which came first, the unity of Acts chapter 4 or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of Acts chapter 2 and 4? You well, know, even the, the Acts 2 outpouring was because of Acts 1, 12 to 14. They were in one accord, yeah. in one place praying. Yes, exactly. So the, my my heart is that I believe that it's in worship and prayer that God brings us together because we're gathered around the presence of God and we're gathered in, engaged in the great commission through intercession. And it forges relationships that uh, are very powerful. Cheryl, you can come from any angle, but I cannot, uh, uh, I, I really noticed that the word international is right in the name of your ministry. So I, I am assuming and also observing that uh, diversity of uh, culture and, and, and background is uh, one of the core expression of what you touches out of the Pasadena International House of Prayer. So comment on any angle you want about prayer and unity, but you know, if and, and you throw in a little bit on diversity too. Yeah, just the idea of house of prayer. I mean, God, Jesus came up with it when he decided to call his house something or the father did. And it's an eternal reality, right? And it's all tribes, all tongues, all nations. And so it makes sense that on earth, it would look the same way that there would, that when you call people to prayer, it can draw all types of culture. So yeah, and obviously we're in Los Angeles, so we're going to have a lot of diversity. So we have from pretty much every culture, but primarily Armenian, um, Latino, African-American, and then Asian, all types of Asian. Um, so I, but I think the the core, the core reason unity happens in the midst of prayer is because it's the nature of prayer. Now, if you make prayer about expressing your opinions, it's a little harder when you have scripture as what's put like, like, that's what I so enjoy about the house of prayer movement using scripture. Most of the body can agree on that. 
and then praying through the prophetic promises of scripture, that's an easy way for people to unite. Wonderful. And so beside uh, uniting around, around scripture, David mentioned something. If our goal is unity, sometimes we will not arrive at unity. But if our goal is focusing on a person, Jesus, and unity is a byproduct and a natural outcome of it. So Cheryl uh, or David, let's start with Cheryl. What do you think about the importance of growing deeper personally in the Lord in terms of intimacy with Jesus? That dynamic in terms of uh, fostering unity in the larger body of Christ. Yeah, at, at the very beginning, um, the Lord gave me five dreams and five nights and said these would be the blueprints of the house of prayer for this region. And the first dream was about Mike Bickle tutoring me in Song of Solomon. And he said this phrase, devotion, pies, and longing. And I said, I didn't write it down. And he goes, why don't you write it down? I go, I don't want to write devotion, dies, and longing. He said, I didn't say dies. I said pies. And this is before there was a pie hop. I write P-Y-E-S. And when I wake up from the dream, I look it up in a dictionary. This was pre-Google days. And... And it's a set of rules to determine the correct order of worship in the pre-Reformation church. And immediately the Lord said, intimacy is what you have to go after. Not a cause, not a, a justice issue, but intimacy. And that will sustain day and night worship and prayer. Share with us the remaining dream, if possible, Sharon. And I, I mean, I've been... I, I, I'm going to say a few things about that. Like I've been in this movement now for many, many years and have seen lots of people try to start houses of prayer or gather people and they do it on an issue or they do it on just even city reformation and it will work for a little bit, but it won't sustain. And I have seen the sustaining power of drawing the church together and doing it for, for a long time intimacy has got to be the core part of that. David, any things to add pertaining to this? First commandment in the first place, intimacy with Jesus, fostering unity for the body of Christ. Yeah, I, I just, I agree with Cheryl. I think that the, um, the reality is that uh, our diversity, you know, is actually a beautiful thing to the Lord. And it's in our, it's in our interaction with God together, you know, that I, I believe we find our hearts loving each other. You know, I, I've often used the example of if you have two people that are believers that are having uh, difficulty in their relationship, maybe the one's hurt by the other, which of course is very common. Um, and, you know, but you put them in a place of prayer and worship together and they're vulnerable to the presence of God. And something happens in their hearts at times, you know, where they, they, they begin to find that they're loving one another in ways that they never could have previously or didn't when they first even walked into that moment of prayer and worship. You know, of course, there is the, the biblical model where if you have an offense against a brother, leave your gift at the altar and deal with it. But there's times where even in our dealing with it, we've done Matthew 18, but there's just woundedness in the heart. There's tension between ethnicities. There's tension between denominations. And even though we're 
Lord willing, trying to do Matthew 18 and reconcile. There's also a, a reality when we get in, when we seek the face of God together and in worship and in prayer, we become vulnerable to his presence in such amazing ways that I think that it can, it can change how we are relating to one another and how we love one another. Um, and I know I've experienced this. I don't know if you have Cheryl, but I think that applies to cities and regions and, um, and nations even. Well, uh, David and Cheryl, um, you mentioned the word vulnerable, David, just now. And I think that's a very key word. And when you were speaking, the scripture from Second Chronicles 7.14 came to me. Uh, in the 90s and the early 2000s, the transformation prayer movement uh, tried, uh, were attempting to foster a lot of unity. And the key rallying cry were around Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, plural, that means many people who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, and turn away from our wicked way, and then he will forgive us, uh, from, and he will hear from heaven, and he will forgive our sin and heal our land. So I want to just uh, inject that concept from the 90s, where probably 100 million people in the prayer movement has been undergirded and touched by that reality. How that spill over to the 21st century in this 24-7 prayer movement? And comment on that in terms of praying together, getting vulnerable, and how the spirit of repentance, how important is that aligning us not only with heaven, but one another? Either David or Cheryl, just jump in. Maybe Cheryl first. I was going to say David because of Awake in the Dawn. But I, yeah, I would say, I mean, the idea of repentance, the first thing that comes is the need for God. God, we need you. There's something we can't, we are unable to do it ourselves. And then we need one another naturally comes out of that. Like, I think God is so amazing that he made it so that none of us could get it done without one another. And um, I think my journey of prayer has been, you can't, <laughs> God makes it, you know, that you can't get it done apart from him. And then you can't get it done apart from the brethren. And that usually comes out of a deep place of repentance in meetings. It will break out occasionally, but it's also in a long-term way. It's a heart of repentance. It's a continual heart of repentance. Like I am in need of you, God. And I turn my eyes where I've turned my, like where I've been self-reliant. I turn back and I say, Oh God, we need you. And then, Oh God, we need the body. Yeah, I, I agree with Cheryl. I think that in, in the, the culture, the lifestyle of prayer and worship, um, repentance is, is that, it really is an ongoing, uh, it is an ongoing reality that only happens uh, as we're pursuing the Lord. I mean, I, I often think, you know, like the, the conviction of sin is that ministry of the Holy Spirit that, that Jesus said he comes to convict the, the world, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we just desperately need the Holy Spirit to convict us if we're going to come into unity with our brothers, you know, and, and I, I, that's what I think referencing the book of Acts, I think that's what we saw in Acts chapter one and two is God graciously pours out the spirit in Acts chapter two. And suddenly 
repentance is breaking out with 3,000 unbelievers, but also the church is loving one another in ways that, you know, are even to this day, a model we look to, and that continues to Acts chapter four, but repentance is the fruit of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's that, it's what he comes to do. And, um, and so I believe that, and it also precedes it. It's that, it's that great dance with the Lord, but yes, absolutely. I think that in prayer and worship, repentance is, um, is right in the center of God's way. And that's how I think we love one another. So um, and real quick, Danielle, real quick on that same point, just like in the nations, like especially unreached people group nations, I've seen that where NGOs, they need each other. They can't, they've been trying to do it in silos and then they're like, we need each other. And, and then it happening in the place of prayer first like that's where that sense of wow I've been isolated I've been always we've been trying to do it and we've seen you as competition and then all of a sudden the fruit is exponential I mean in Central Asia I've seen that as well as in certain Middle Eastern countries where prayer has galvanized unity but it's not just galvanized then then it's turned around and galvanized more prayer and together it isn't been isolated it's together it's like x1 well said david and cheryl i want to pick on this very important point here as our final point with our audience which is some people say within our local church we don't have significant unity within our own neighborhood we don't have significant unity why do we go to the national mall and do the unity together that's so far away from us at the same time why do we go to the frontier mission field and then experience unity in the front line when we're not even doing unity back home? Do you think that sometimes God triggers us and ambushes us by, by translocating us into a new environment and allow us to taste and see the sweetness of the blessing of Psalms 133? And then it turns back around to our local neighborhood and our local church because now we are wet with the appetite of something that we have never experienced because because there was so much bickering within the local level. So comment on that. Uh, my observation may not be right, but what Cheryl uh, mentioned just now and what David mentioned uh, about the significant breakthrough in the National Mall, they are true power of God. But at the local level, we know that a lot of time things are very challenging. Yes. Well, yes, I think David should say first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree. And, and as you referenced, Daniel, that is what we saw. You know, for me, the national is the local in a sense that God is, he's dealing with real people with real stories. And when we went to the National Mall, they found one another in, in the presence of God. And, and what it's produced is local relationships that's the amazing part to me that actually actually that's one of the things that blew us away i'm not sure we fully saw it coming you know i, I referenced various states on our last podcast but there were there were places in the nation where dozens and dozens of these praying groups that met one another for the you mentioned time. california because cheryl is from california you say 30 worship team return and then they snowball into a lot more yeah they, they're doing zoom there's i think yeah. 200 plus that are on these zoom calls uh, worshiping together from up and down California. And it, so what started national actually really translated right into, into the local in some powerful ways. And, and we've even heard testimonies of, of it impacting local 
churches, like like really micro localized environments. Um, so yes, I, I do believe the Lord does that. Wonderful, wonderful. Cheryl, anything to add? Yeah, I was gonna. I know a house of prayer that started in Riverside, California, and it's straight out of Awaken the Dawn and um, Tend America. So I mean, I mean, they're definitely we're galvanized and now we're doing it on a local level. And for me, I mean, I, I, I went to the original call in 2000 and I'm sure that played a huge part in what I'm doing now. Cheryl, how do they find your prayer room in California? If they are near or they're visiting from out of town, where do they find you? Is there an online website they can go to? Yeah, pihop.com. So P I H O P.com. Are you open every day of the week? Except yeah, Sunday. Yeah, we're open right? um, mon yep, Monday through Saturday from 8 in the morning till midnight. And there are some resources that they can also uh, download and check out on the, the website, right? Pihop.com. Yep. Wonderful. And uh, don't forget to also check in our dear audience to uh, awakenthedawn.org, the national movement that has been building up for the last three years, continue to strengthen the canopy of 24-7 in America. We need every person, every breathing person, hands on deck, just feeling 24-7 prayer in America. We live in unprecedented time. I'm privileged to have Cheryl Allen and David Bradshaw joining us and sharing with them, sharing with us their hearts on the importance of prayer fostering unity in the body of Christ in America. Cheryl, would you close us in prayer by releasing a blessing, a Psalms 133 blessing over our audience? Okay, Father, we just thank you for your heart to gather your people in one accord. And so I just ask for those listening now, God, that you would impart grace, you would impart faith, God, and you would give them an anointing to gather, Father. And I just thank you that, God, you would give them a prophetic history too. I ask that, God, you would confirm and affirm. And Lord, I just Thank you for your desire and that you will fulfill it through these ones in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Cheryl and David, for joining us today. Stay tuned to our next uh, One Thing Global Leadership Summit podcast. Cheryl will return again and we will have a guest from Texas. We will be drilling in into the dynamics of unity through prayer within the local body and in the city. So don't miss the next podcast. Thank you.